0: Hey, welcome to the Hell has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. On this show, we interview a lot of recovering addicts. We do a lot of stories of people that have struggled through adversity. We've done a lot of wrongful conviction stories. People went to prison for 10, 15, 20 years that were wrongfully convicted of murders and crimes they did not commit. And their story of hope and having to come out and, and start a life all over. We do a lot of recovery and addicts, obviously. We've even done a Holocaust survivor. But yeah, the point of this show is to inspire people and to show people that you know change is possible. If you guys want, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell Has an Exit. That's probably where we're most vocal on Instagram and we have TikTok. This is also on video, so you can check us out on YouTube as well at Hell Has an Exit. Please subscribe, tell a friend. If you guys want to help the show out, uh, as much people we could get listening to the show, the better. Shout out to DB Podcast, my boys, Jordan and Miles. You guys are the best, always giving us that fire quality sound. People always ask me, like, bro, who produces the show? I'm like, dude, these guys. So, Jordan and Miles, you guys do a great job with sound. Shout out Dez for the video quality. Today, we got Shane. Shane, what's your last initial? Uh, S. Shane S. All right, Shane. SS, always
1: called impala i guess they <laughs> joked with me when i was growing you up were the ss impala no i was really clumps actually i was clumps cl- i was really clumsy when i was young you're clumsy oh yeah for you sure clumsy no i kind of grew out of it i guess my 30s i kind of got out of the clumsy era what happened Ah, uh, i think maybe i just stopped fucking up <laughs> <laughs>
0: where
1: are you from um uh, born in fort lauderdale florida grew up in plantation uh i
0: currently reside in coral springs mm-hmm. uh, so i was florida born broward born and raised there you go not too many of, yeah i do a lot of florida natives on here bro because uh there's, there's not, not many, many there's not many of us nah bro but um i'm from florida so i don't realize how crazy it is but whenever i tell someone a story they're always like that's some florida shit you know <laughs> there's there's quite a lot <laughs> of those on
1: headlines and uh
0: locally for sure yeah one thousand percent yeah i actually know you because uh my bff best friend carl is friends with you you guys grew up together I remember for years, he was like, oh man, my boy Shane, he'd always be like telling me stories about you. And uh, I actually remember seeing you, I think at Aisha's wedding and Carl's wedding, any type of like significant thing, like I would always see you around. And honestly, bro, I was just like scared of you. I was like, bro, this dude looks like he's going to eat me alive. I'm definitely not that guy anymore. Hey, I appreciate that, bro. It's cool. So, you know, you got an amazing story. You just celebrated six years clean. That's badass, dude. So where did it all start? It started, uh, I would say,
1: when I was 13, my grandfather passed away. Uh, I was in middle school, and I was kind of like, would keep to myself. And then when my grandfather passed away, I started hanging out with the guys in the neighborhood. And I was really just trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being, though, turned into an absolute animal, trying to fit in. Everything that they would do, I would do it to a extent, not even drugs yet, just just a bad lifestyle. Mm-hmm. For me, I was getting in trouble, fighting, robbing, just doing shit that nobody's supposed to do. Yeah, at that young age. I remember when I first started hanging out, there was a crooked, literally a mile from here, the crooked sidewalk, mm-hmm. and every Friday and Saturday night, we would they would be out partying late, and I would have a drink, and I would take a sip of it, and i look around, and nobody was looking, and I would toss it in the canal, because I was <laughs> like, this is disgusting. And then I went away to a juvenile program. For what? Uh, I beat some kid up in this that lived in this neighborhood. His dad happened <laughs> to be a, a lawyer. Wow. And his dad pressed charges on me, so I went to a juvenile program in Pembroke Pines for like eight months. Got out, and I kind of like same thing. Every time you go away, you come back. You're good for a little bit, and then before you know, it, you're back to the same old shit. I started selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I met a dude who was a barber, and first he just asked me to start dropping stuff off for him. I was making a couple of dollars, and before you know it, I was selling and uh, lots of weed and cocaine and all this other stuff. When I was 17 turning 18, I got arrested for trafficking cocaine. I was on house arrest waiting to go to trial, and the judge, my dad had just bought a house in Orlando, and I was going to go to school at Valencia, try to get the fuck out of Broward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the judge uh, asked me. The judge gave. We went to court. The judge gave me permission to move to Orlando until trial started. If I got enrolled in school, they were going to let me off house arrest. Our boy. Was working at Publix at the time. He loves Publix. His whole family worked there. Everybody. Some of them still do. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, he actually drove me to this kid's house. And I was the type of person, even when I had money in my pocket, like, if I seen something that you had that I think I could take, Mm -hmm. I kind of would. So he was with me. And he's like, yeah, he he didn't like the idea. He's like, like, I'm going to go to work. So we left and then I came back. And as soon as we came back, I, like, just walked in the kid's door and just, (sighs) I beat him up. Took everything from me that he had, broke his eye socket, left. I was on house arrest. I mm. literally had just left court getting off. Within hours, I got permission to move to Orlando. I went to this house to get weed. Left, came back, robbed them, Left, I called my lawyer. I was like, listen, I think I just did something really bad. He's like, go home. Uh, do not come out the house until it's time for you to move to Orlando. And on Thursday morning, it's time to go. You go straight to Orlando. Next thing I know, I'm getting phone calls from, from people who I grew up with who said they were going to, like, he was messing with some girl. that knew the kid, and he said he was he wanted to be a cop. He's like, "Where are you? The police are looking for you." I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." So I moved to Orlando, and that was before the ring camera. Right? Yeah, was, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, 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 that's ages ago. So I came back for court. So I was I was an idiot. I was living I was in house arrest in Orlando. I had time to leave like every day. Uh, one day I came back late. I don't, I don't even remember why. So I came back for court. And it was Memorial Day weekend years ago. I just remember it because my cousin's birthdays. I was walking, the judge let me off house arrest. I'm walking out of the uh, the courtroom and my house arrest lady walks in with a warrant for my arrest because I came in late
2: mm-hmm.
1: in Orlando. And my lawyer's like, oh, don't worry. You'll be out on Tuesday. It's a, We'll have court on Tuesday. You'll be out. It's just a long weekend. I was like, fine. So I'm in the Broward County Jail and they call my name to tell me my charges. And they're like, "Oh, you got no bond for a violation of house arrest, and you got a, a charge for a home invasion robbery, felony battery, with resulting great bodily harm." And I was like, oh, "Fuck!" I called my mom. I was like, "Mom, I'm not coming home for a while." I ended up taking YO sense, youthful offender sense. I got one year in prison. Uh, I'm sorry, two years in prison, four years out. And, you know, you you go away at that age, and it's like shriek. how made you do in. Well, this time, I did yeah. uh, two in two years in, four years probation. At 18? Yeah, I was 17 turning 18, yeah. Damn. So, you know, you go in there and you kind of like, you're thrown to the wolves and you kind of just in the jungle act like an animal. Uh, and I guess it was just something for, I, it's just something that I lived at mm-hmm. the moment. You get out, same old shit, stay out of trouble for a little bit. And then before, you know, it's back to the same old shit. And then in 2007... My best friend Lucho got murdered. And I was doing good for a little while. I had a girlfriend. And um, when he got murdered, it was really hard on me. Uh, I started self-medicating, not to the point where it was out of control, but I was definitely the time where like blues were cheap. I was a I was really at first I was scared to like get dope sick. So mm-hmm. I was like, take him for a day, take him, wait a couple days, take another one. And then I started fucking up again. I started some grow houses. My dad had property. We had a girl house in Coral Springs Well, we had a house in Coral Springs and I was selling blues, spon- uh, doctor shopping, taking mm-hmm. addicts to- Sponsoring people. Yeah, so yeah. one day, I, I'll never forget. I got a letter in the mail to get off probation early. I went to the barber shop. I picked up this girl and I took her to the doctor to, it was right on 84. I took her to the doctor, I dropped her off. She called me and she's like, hey, I need like 20 or 30 bucks. Now these were the doctor's office where you would go and you would see the doctor and they would fill them there. Yeah, the script and the doctor in one. I didn't know any better. I, I came back to pick her up, I reversed. And I, mind you, I had a BMW with like all tints on it. You couldn't see anything in it. She came to the window, she got the cash, she went back inside, she came back out, she got in the car, we split split the pills and then bounced. I got on 84, this is between Pine Island and University, I got on 84, I made a right on University, kind of where the Burger King is, across from the tower shops. Yeah. And I see the lights pull, pull me over. They don't even ask me for anything. Well, first they pulled me over, they said, Lic- license and registration, when I re- went to reach for it, they just ripped me out of the car and searched me. I had 40 blues on me. I got arrested for violation of pro- probation and trafficking, uh, Roxy, or mm-hmm. blues, whatever. So I copped out to three years in, three years out. <laughs> The whole, I was literally getting high the whole time. I was, well, I would work out and then when the drugs would hit the compound, mm-hmm. I would get high. What camp were you at? I mean, we, I was at, I've been to Lancaster, DeSoto, Madison. I've been quite a few. Which one has the best food? <laughs> the one that you, the, <laughs> the food that you could buy. That's it. Yeah. So I, I went, did three in, three out. So I was, well, first I was, this last time, I, the first like a year and a half of my bid, I was a permanent at South Florida Reception Center. I became really close with this guy, Jeff, who ended up becoming my best friend. I had it so sweet there. But I ended up getting in a fight with the guy and he bit me. I beat him. It's a long story. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a long story. He ended up shitting his pants, and he went to the police. Oh no. And I got we both got shipped. So I ended up at DeSoto. I finished my my sentence there. I got out. First I, I was doing good. I had a girlfriend, and then my buddy Jeff I call my buddy Jeff, and he was a I'm general manager at Goldfingers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, come in and get a job. I was like, I'm all in. Let's go. So I go there. I was working. I was making like two, $300 a day, but it's a very like shady lifestyle. Mm-hmm. All the girls are getting high. The money's there. So before you know it, I'm like popping pills here and there. I was dating a girl at the time, and she had a prior heroin addiction, and I would never been with anybody who was like a full-blown addict. Mm-hmm. But when we first got together, she wasn't using And then I guess like the late nights in the club, I was working late, not always around. She started doing pills and heroin, all this stuff behind my back. To the point where, well, I ended up getting fired from the club for doing stuff I wasn't supposed to do. I was messing around with a girl that was no good for me. This is kind of around the time our friend got married. Mm -hmm. Um, My girl was doing heroin. I was trying to get her clean. She was boosting, she had a worn out for a rest. So we had to leave, move where we were living from because she was on the run. So here I am, always had money in my pocket, always had cars. Now I'm running the streets with my girlfriend while she's getting high. At the time, I was just smoking spice. She was... Um, Mainly to, like, she, evade I, a
0: drug test? Or you just no, got used yeah, to it that, in prison?
1: Well, well, that just added... I, think the, I literally think, like, the whole time that I was on pre, on probation, I was probably, like, trying to smoke, like, every once in a while and mm-hmm. get away with it. But it was mainly just drinking and yeah. like pills, because I knew I could get away with the pills. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the thing with the pills is I was always-
0: Scared of getting
1: Because I, I dealt with people in the doctor's offices or the that people was that I would spot so, strong so out. strung out. And that shit would scare me to the point where like, I would I would actually get Suboxone just in case <laughs> I was taking them too many days in mm-hmm. a row, because I, I didn't want that. I was scared to death of that feeling. So now my girl and I were, were literally homeless, mm-hmm. living out of a car. She's boosting every day out of like Bed Bath & Beyond and then going to pawn shops to get like 50% of the stuff that she was, she would steal it and then go return it. Mm -hmm. And then she would get half the money back at at the pawn shop. She would buy get enough money just to buy dope so she wasn't dope sick and enough to get a hotel room. Eventually she wasn't getting enough money to get us a hotel room. Mm -hmm. And she was doing so much heroin. So she would give me the dope to hold because she didn't want to get dope sick or do too much. So here I am holding it, I watched her use needles forever and i was so disgusted by it before you know it one day i'm like sneaking off in the bathroom i'm doing a little bit of heroin Mm -hmm. snorting the boosting just caught up to us her car broke down now we're taking buses to boost i didn't boost because nobody i look like i'm committing a crime anywhere i go at the time at the time I, i take pride in looking like this now but i definitely am not doing anything wrong ever again so it got to the point one day she she got drugs we were in hollywood And she woke up in the morning and she was so sick. We were on Federal Highway. Mm -hmm. She couldn't even get up to get drugs. So we ended up at Young Circle Park and I didn't know what to do. Cause I, I mean, my mom, nobody in my family would talk to me at the time. So I called somebody that I I knew owed me a favor. He came, picked us up, and he knew what it was like to be dope sick. Mm -hmm. So he, Got my girlfriend allotted, so she wasn't sick, mind you. This guy was on su- Suboxone maintenance, but he had a box of syringes in the in the back of his truck. So while well, he was shooting Suboxone or Subutex, whatever the fuck he was doing, <laughs> but he was also shooting Molly. Mm-hmm. So we ended up in a hotel that night, and I watched him uh, shoot Molly, and I was I watched my girl with needles forever, and I was like, that's fucking, that's, I can't do it. It's cr- oh god, I can't. And I see my fr- like a second person around me other than my girlfriend do needles for the first time mm-hmm. ever. And I was like, damn, I kinda wanna try that. And I talked to my girl, I was like, can you, can you do that for me? And uh, she did it. And I wasn't hooked then, but like that night, I, like, I did some heroin to come down. And then the next day when we were sober, my girlfriend went to go get heroin so she could not be dope sick. We were in my buddy's two-seater truck. She was in the middle. And she got the heroin and I was like, let me, let me try a little bit. And mm-hmm. she did a shot and I was like, <laughs> I was laid over, like in her lap, knocked out. And I really wanted to get her, I wasn't obsessed yet. I wanted to get her sober. Mm-hmm. And my buddy was a fisherman. He He's won fishing champion uh, championships all over the world or all over South Florida. He's got dock records in the Keys. So he got a job down in Key Largo. And we had nowhere to go. She had a warrant out for arrest, and like, I was my girlfriend. Like, I really had nothing going on at the time. I was like, "Fuck, it, let's go down there." We got a bunch of suboxins, so we went down there for her to try to get away from this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we got down there, and it's wild down there. Well, it's crazy. It's because, different. It's oh, it's well. The funny thing is, he was fishing in, in Key Largo, mm-hmm. but we were driving to Florida City every night and get a hotel, and like. When I say the like $20 a night hotels, like where no person should be. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day we're at a Publix in Key Largo and me and my girlfriend, I don't even know what we were arguing about. We were outside the car in front of Publix and we were arguing and somebody called the police and they came and they ran her name and she was gone. Mm -hmm. My buddy, he had kind of been good since we'd been down in Key Largo just with the Suboxone or whatever. And we drove back to Florida city and we got to the hotel and there was like a a black dude and a, and a and a white girl sitting on the on the front of the hotel. He's like, "Hey, he's like, go see if you can give me some crack." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "Fuck no." <laughs> he's like, "Bro, I'll buy you some spice." I was like, "All right, I got you." <laughs> so so he, I went. I was like, "Yo, you, you got a dub?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we got it, we got it." So now he's in the now we're in the fucking hotel room, and I had never smoked crack, and uh, he's in there smoking crack, and then we're I'm in there smoking spice. And he made good money every day, but like when you're, you're an addict, you're, yeah. you run through that in in, in a couple hours. So that we that night, the next day he went out, he went fishing, made a couple hundred bucks. We get back to the hotel. He got one guy, he's buying crack from on this side. He's buying cocaine from this guy in this hotel room and he's fucking smoking crack. He came to me and he's like, uh, here, here, try this. And he was really, st- I mean, most most people who are in active addiction or using or stingy, they're stingy. stingy with their dope. But he was on another level. So he's like. I never give nobody a hit of crack. <laughs> well, I mean, life. that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. If I told you, I'm going to tell you. This is wild what happened down there. So uh, he he gave me a little shot of uh, a cocaine. And I didn't feel shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what the fuck? whatever. So he like borrowed dope from this guy. He's like, yo, give me a 40. I'm going to pay you 80 tomorrow. And the same thing with this guy with the crack. He's like, give me, give me an eight ball. I'm going to pay you double tomorrow. It started. So we went back there. He did it a, the f- next night. It was good. The next night he he paid. He came back. He paid his his debt, and then he did it again that night. And that night it was only crack. He he loves smoking crack. Mm-hmm. I was like, can you shoot it? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. So let's try that. And I I couldn't shoot myself at the time. So he broke it down for me, and uh,
0: he like vinegar lemon juice. Yeah,
1: he broke it down and he gave me. He shot me up, mm-hmm. and I literally threw up instantly and i turned into an i want i just wanted more like i was obsessed that was your first time doing uppers or that was your first time well i had snorted a little cocaine here and there and no i and i shot molly like a couple weeks before Mm -hmm. that shooting crack Mm -hmm. literally it it brought me to my knees then and there and i was done forever um to the point where like i said like I sold drugs and and obviously I was at a point in my life when I was with my girlfriend that I had never been at that low.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We She was boosting and like, it wasn't a thing to me. Here I am, I did one shot of crack the next day when he was at work. I was driving around in his truck asking, cause the guy in the hotel room would sell nickels of crack. <laughs> and I would, I was riding around uh, Florida City, asking people for one dollar. I need one dollar for gas. I need one dollar mm-hmm. for, and I would get five dollars. And I, I wake him up, and I was like, Yo, let me get, a, let me get a nickel. Mm-hmm. One, we we got, he came back one day. Oh my god, this is this is a wall. This and like this story is so real to me. Him and I, we had so that night he came back. Whatever, I had probably been up for like two or three days shooting Cracker Molly, and uh, we were in the hotel room. It's so crazy how real this still feels like. It, It actually happened. Well, to me it did. So we're in the hotel room. He's like, I was like, yo, let's go to, let's go take me to the store so I can get a wrap. And I was gonna smoke some spice. And uh, he's in the bathroom. He he didn't even have a, he was smoking on a can Mm -hmm. in the bathroom. So he takes me, I don't know if anybody in South Florida has been uh, down to the Keys. Anybody know the racetrack right before you get on the stretch to go to that racetrack right there? Uh, We were staying in the hood right there. So we ended up at that racetrack to take me to get a wrap. So we get there. I was like, the
0: one with the Starbucks
1: not too far from there? Oh, that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally this racetrack right before you get on the. On the that that. two-lane road. Correct. Yeah. I was like, go inside, get me a wrap. And he's like, I'm going to grab a couple donuts. So I'm sitting I'm in the passenger seat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm sitting there. I'm like, where the fuck is he? Forever. So I walk in the fucking racetrack. Where, you seen this dude, he's fucking getting a rap and he's like, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm looking around for him, going crazy. I'm like, "What, what, he fucking left me with his car? So I fucking, I get back to the car and I start his car and I drive back to the fucking hotel room and I'm trying to find the key, I can't get in. I start banging on the door. Open the fucking door, you fucking left me at the racetrack. He opens the door and I'm like, he's like, what the fuck do you mean? I was like, I've been in the bathroom smoking crack the whole time.
0: I literally... Thought that he was with you. Oh, yeah, my I, God. but I drove...
1: I draw, No, I thought he drove me there. Like to this day, I remember him driving me there like crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> so, make a long story short, he it was it was it was just, like crazy. Like he would call his mom and tell because him, his mom, his mom, and my mom are to this day are still friends. Wow. And I, I pray for that kid still today. Uh, but, anyways. He, he would call his mom and be like, yo, we're, Shane's got a job and he needs money for clothes. And uh, I think we got to find a place to live. So he, that's his mom could convince my mom to send us some money, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then one day, like, we were running short on money and drugs and we started arguing. And his dad lived in Key Largo. So one day, like like I said, he would go on the boat and I would literally, like, sit in his truck and, like, try to drive back to Florida City and either get high. But this one day, I was just, like, so Drained. I was. Just, I just literally just stayed in the parking lot in his truck, and his dad came to the parking lot and he's like, um, he's like, I'm gonna give you a hundred dollars, and I'm gonna drive you back to Fort Lauderdale. Do you have somewhere to go? I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> hundred bucks, let's go. So I called my boy Mike, who I knew, no matter what, like he would let me open. He would open his door for me. So we get back to Broward, and you know he sold pills mm-hmm. and he had really good coke at the time. And he was friends with all of us. We all grew up in the same neighborhood. But uh, he didn't realize I'm how. I thought you were. Correct. And I didn't want him knowing I was shooting. Yeah. I was really big on, like, he had good Coke. I buy some good Coke from him. I called my Molly guy. I called my Molly guy. I don't know if anybody's from around here. But there's a, in Oakland Park East. There used to be a Kmart. In Will and Manners, my buddy lived on the other side of the the uh, the bridge there. So I went to go meet the Molly guy at the Kmart. So I got the Molly. I went in the bathroom, and I sat. in. It was like two two o'clock in the afternoon. I did a shot of Molly in the bathroom, but it wasn't Molly. It was meth. I was like literally. I did not move for Stuck. I could not move. Mm-hmm. By the time I got the energy to stand up at and walk out of the stall, Kmart was closing. Hmm. And I, <laughs> no, I was crazy. So I walked back and like, you could see like, like meth mouth. And it's the meth. first time I ever did it, like my jaw jaws all tightened up. I, I, opened, I knocked on the door, my boy opened the door. He's like, where the fuck have you been? I was like, oh, I got that Molly. He's like, he looked at me, he's like, bro, if that's Molly, I don't want that shit. And he let me in the house. He was like, he was still like in the light. He sold, he went to the, he went to Scarlet's, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to sit in his house and get high when, when he was there or when he wasn't there. Yeah. Better when he left, because yeah. I was to my own. I didn't have to worry about him seeing me or sneaking off into the bathroom. He went to Scarlet's one night and I uh, got all fucked up on Xanax. And this is like the one time I could say that I, like I stole from my family. I robbed other people. I never really stole from my friends. Mm-hmm. Went to Scarlets and I got into his bottle of blues, and I got I, it was like twenty blues. I kept. I literally probably did ten of them that night. Mm-hmm. And he came back and uh, I was so ashamed. He's like, "Where's my shit?" I I don't know, but I I, I he woke he woke up in the morning. And he realized that I was like, I, I don't remember, but I was the only one here, so it had to have been me. Mm-hmm. I was like, "But I'll pay you back." I pay. You. I literally would. I called my mom. I was like, "Mom, I need some money." He knew that. It wasn't the fucked up thing about it. We've been friends for like 15 years and he loses every, he's a pothead. he lost everything. So anytime he couldn't find $1 like, you're in my shit. I was like, no, I swear to God, I'm not stealing your shit. <laughs> so I still had the meth. And um one of the, another friend that we had grew, grew up with before. Were they in capsules or it was just straight no, rock? Was, well, he, it was just, no, it was in capsules. Okay. Yeah no 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 i'm I'm sorry i'm sorry it was in a it was a bag yeah 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 yeah. uh yeah because i was buying like eights and eight balls and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so but all that shit looks the same yeah so we uh so before i came back to to broward somebody else that we grew up with who we all thought were friends was living with him and he was he had he was an addict and Mm -hmm. he was all fucked up and one day when my buddy mike be this before i came back to, to broward this kid robbed, like broke into his house and stole all his guns, I mean, money, drugs, everything that he, anything that he could get. Mm -hmm. My boy went to the gym one day and as soon as he left, I did a shot of the Molly. I I immediately started geeking out. I'm looking out the windows. I called him, I'm like, yo, where's the gun? Mike's outside. (laughs) So he's like, what do you mean? Are you sure? I ran outside with my shirt off and I'm like, and I lived in Wilt Manors, and everybody's like, "What the what the fuck is wrong with you?" I was like, "Where is he? Did you see him out here?" They're like, "There's nobody out here." Wow. So my buddy came back. He said, like, "Are you sure he was here?" I was like, "I, I swear he was him. I swear." And then my buddy was getting going. He was going to uh, Dominican Republic on vacation. He always mm-hmm. would go there. He was obsessed with the island and the women. So I got some money from my mother. She she sent me like two hundred twenty bucks, mm-hmm. and he was going for two weeks, and. I knew it had to last me, food and everything. And I bought all all drugs with it. Um, that morning, he it's it's crazy because he knew like at, at the point, he maybe didn't know, realize how bad I was, but he knew I was bad. And he's like, listen, I bought cocaine from him and I bought some blues from him. He's like, listen, just when I try not to do all my cocaine because he was leaving it in the house. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't go through all of it, please. He wasn't gone for one hour. I had no, I had no money, like, I, I got, right before I left, I walked to 7-Eleven, I got one hot dog, and I had, that one hot dog had to last me two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he had left to the airport within a matter of two hours. I was out of cocaine and blues, and I was into his stash. Mm-hmm. I got a, so when I, so prior, back backtrack, when, before I went to the Key Largo, like, I started doing. My girlfriend, she was. We were boosting. We met some kid, and his father had passed away, and he was he was on drugs also. So he was writing. We were writing checks out of his dad's bank account, and we were cashing them at, at check cashing stores. He was giving them to us. We were all doing it together and getting high together. Uh Something I've, I had never done. No shit like that before. So we were cashing checks that day after I was out of drugs, like two o'clock in the afternoon. I got a call from the Sunrise Police Department, and they're like. They're like, hey, uh, we want to talk to you. I was like, I don't know what would because anytime, anytime prior to me be upset in drugs, <laughs> I was like, fuck no. And I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. I couldn't. He's like, we just want to talk to you about uh what's his name? Cashing bad checks with his dad. I was like, oh yeah, okay. They pick me up. We're in the the uh, Taco Bell parking lot in Oakland Park, right across the street from where the Kmart is. And they talk to me for like five minutes, They're like you're under arrest. I was like, oh, great. So now I viol- that was easy for them. <laughs> yeah, I was like, they, so I violated probation um, with a new charge of uh, f- check fraud, uh, mail wire fraud, or something like that. Oh, um, uttering a forged instrument. I, I get to. I'm in the Broward County Jail, and um, I'm not feeling good. Mm. I have a fever. I'm in the main jail, and I don't know if anybody's been in the main jail, but the, nobody gives a fuck. Every well, first of all, everybody's in there crying. Like, oh, I want to use a phone, or oh, I'm, I'm sick and I need medicine and I was really sick uh, and I'm I'm like, I'm beating on the door. I'm like, man, I, I got a fucking fever. Like, oh, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna be fine. So that morning they were giving me medicine because uh, obviously I was coming off a drug. I was on Ativan or whatever mm-hmm. the stuff they gave you. And I told the lady, I'm like, listen, I'm warm. Can you take my temperature? She took my temperature, I had 104 fever. Mm. And they're like, well, uh, you got a fever, but you're going to the Conti, it's a pack of shit. So they took me to the Conti like I couldn't get I couldn't get out of bed. I got to the Conti. I'm on the second floor. I wouldn't get up for food, and I put in a sick call request. I'm not doing well. They took me to do a blood work, and when they did blood work, I they were taking blood out of my arm, and an abscess popped up right here. Hmm. And they're like, "You're not in good shape." They're like, they took me to Brow uh, the Broward the North Broward Jail because there's an infirmary there there. So they did an X-ray on my chest. I'll never forget. It was um. I was in the county jail, in the infirmary. It was. I woke up. It was my mom's birthday. They they did an X ray on my chest, and they gave me a Vicodin in jail because I, they, something wasn't right. I I talked I was my like, mom. I'm really not feeling good. Um, I'm gonna go lay down. Happy birthday! So I go and lay down. Five minutes later, they pull up with the stretcher, and they rush me to North Broward Jail in Pompano. I'm not no, North Broward Hospital mm-hmm. in Pompano. They do an X ray. And they do a CAT scan on me, and they they gave me like I first got there they gave me morphine uh, and dilaudids because I something wasn't right. I had a I had an abscess on my
0: heart growing into my neck. Wow! And I had a abscess in my lung. It's so crazy they caught that because so many times you're like yeah whatever you're just sick. Yeah. Well,
1: long story short, they take me upstairs. The next morning they take me downstairs. Um, they stuck a, I think it was doing a CAT scan, but they had to stick a wire in, uh, in the it, heart, right? Not into my heart, into my chest, down into my lung to get the pus out. So the doctor's like, listen, I'm going to be very honest with you. You're lucky that they brought you to the hospital today. Cause, so what happened was, they're lucky they, didn't, they brought you to the hospital today because if you didn't, you would have, the infection would have gotten in your blood and you would have died from cardiac arrest. So here I am, he stuck a wire in my chest and there's like, a plastic accordion and I'm, and I'm pumping pus out of my lungs. They're telling you you're pumping it? Uh, it's, they stuck it in. Well, first he like had one of those big, like giant syringes, syringes not with a needle on it, but like yeah, a, yeah. and it's all, like a plunger. Pu- all pus, like, like this long, six wow. feet filled with pus. And for the next two, three days, I'm like pumping pus out of my chest. So I don't know if anybody knows what they make cocaine make to make cocaine and crack but it's not very clean stuff. So like if you start missing that stuff into your vein and it gets in your body mm-hmm. it can cause infection and that's exactly what happened. So I had a abscess in my lung and I had an abscess in my heart growing into my neck. Um so the next morning that, that that it got the the thing so I'm pumping the pus out for the first day and the next morning they uh they put me to sleep, and they like, put a camera down my throat so they could see what's going on in my neck and my heart.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was in the hospital, technically in jail, but in hospital, chained to a bed with a cu- Yeah,
0: they really handcuffed you to the bed, right? Well,
1: by my foot, by yeah. By your foot? Yeah, so I'm in, the, I'm in the hospital. It was the best m- month in jail ever because I was at a real hospital. Mm-hmm. The, all the nurses were bringing me real food. I had my own personal TV. Not bad, um, not bad. Yeah, uh, so... <laughs> but they had to give me a pick line really strong amb- antibiotics. So I was on uh, antibiotics for like eight weeks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I went to... Wow,
0: eight weeks. That's
1: wild. Well, so, yeah. So during all that time, I went to court. So I went back to the uh, North Briar I was there for a month, went back to, uh, to jail, and they had me on a pick line. And in that time period, I copped out to... Uh, well, I t- I, I, my lawyer, He's. I was like, listen, I was ready. To, with my record, I was ready to just take eight years because uh, I, I have... Scored out this between home invasions and two trafficking charges. Uh, uh, I had a pretty extensive, I have a, I had a lot of points. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I was ready to just talk, take six or seven, eight years at this point because I thought with my violation I was gonna be looking at like 10, 12. Mm-hmm. So my lawyer happened to know the prosecutor and he's, uh, he's like, he told the prosecutor, he's like, listen, uh, throw out his violation of probation and score him on the new charge. If he if he scores out to twenty four months, give me eighteen. He scored me out to twenty four months. There, I copped out to eighteen months, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my god, let's go." I went. I went to prison. Well, the first like f- three weeks of being in prison, I was in the infirmary because I, I was because I was under. Uh, I had antibiotics in my arm, mm-hmm. and then they put me on the compound. And in that oh well backtrack. Ugh. I was in the infirmary. I ended up on the compound, and in this time process, my daughter's my mom was a lot to deal with my daughter's mother was going through a lot of personal stuff and uh, she had another baby and when I right before I went away she picked up like my, my daughter's mother got up to leave Florida to run from her problems Obviously she took her problems with her she didn't tell my mom where she went mm-hmm. so my mom had to hire a private investigator to track my daughter down in Minnesota. So we were dealing with all this while I was in prison. The obsession of using was still fresh in my, I mean, I literally like almost died. And the obsession to the point where like when I was in the infirmary, I had a pick line in my arm. And if I could get like suck alcohol out of those pads and like shoot it into my thing. You would? I would try oh my god like, that's like I how obsessed i would I, well i know well alcohol in the bloodstream <laughs> yeah. get, that's what i'm thinking i'm like but that's the obsession that's where the wow. obsession was i go away and i ended up in madison florida up north and my they found my daughter my mom hired a lawyer and i'll mind you i've always had like wherever i went i'm, I'm very th- i mean i'm very thankful no matter where i went in prison i got into a lot of shit i did a lot of shit into circumstances, live in the jungle, act like an animal, not proud of it. But wherever I went, like I can get anything from any, like my face was good. Mm-hmm. Like people would be like, hey, give me $200 worth of drugs. Uh, my, my mom was going to make sure the money gets there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I could always get high no matter where. If there was drugs on the compound, I was getting high. It's a fact. And I was the first person they would come to. And they had like
0: what kind of drugs they bring in?
1: I mean, any pill you can literally get anything. You can get women if you got money. <laughs> I mean, literally. It's 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 ins- it's really How do you get women in prison? I mean, the listen, the guards the guards. Will, the guards will fuck for money. That's crazy. It's it's really where I am now to this day, I wish that they did more in the prison systems to actually help rehabilitate people. Mm-hmm. Because you get in there and if you don't want to do any if you don't really want to do anything to help yourself, you're just going to get worse. Yeah. And you're going to Learn to be... Oh, some people pick up tr- traits, but it's a bunch of net disgust. There's some really great people I've met, and there's the worst of the worst. I remember there were... AA meetings in there, mm-hmm. and I didn't want any part. I really didn't know. what I always heard them call for it. I never knew anything. You never even went. I never knew anything about recovery at the time. You never even went. No, never, never. Wow. No, it's never. It, it so wasn't, crazy. It, it to wasn't. Me. I wanted nothing to do do. I wanted to get high. I had I had drugs. I wanted to get high. And I was going to go smoke that night. Yeah. And the shit that they. had It's crazy because the, sp- the spice that they had, I don't know what they would do to it or what they put in it. it was but crazy. you could no no. You could take one hit of this stuff and you literally left the planet. No, no, no! I'm not. No, you literally would. Le- you did not know where you were. Wow! And it's scary because you there's, got gu- you got guards around, and if you're out of it, they're gonna be like, "What's up? What's up?" They tracked down. They hired a lawyer. Um, my my this fucking lawyer got my my mom. She uh, they they set trial, uh, two weeks before I get out of prison. Instead of waiting two weeks for me to be out of prison, so I could be present mm-hmm. for a custody hearing. And they awarded us shared custody. So my, my we have shared custody, but my daughter's primary residence is in- It's mid- pretty rare because you're in prison, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, my mother and stuff like that, I gave them no reason. I mean, except that I wasn't there, but they were still giving me opportunity to be her father mm-hmm. or to be around her. I never did anything- Negligent to Negligent to, the to her.
2: Kid,
1: yeah. I, I might not have always been emotionally there when I was using, but my daughter's always been my heart and soul. And to this day, it's greater than it's ever been. So, I get out of prison. It was summertime, two thousand fifteen. My mom came pick me up, and she we went to Orlando for the weekend we had a We had a great time. We came back and I had an apartment in North Miami Beach that she had set me up in. I started like getting high a little bit when she was home when she was there for the summer. when she left to go back to Minnesota. I had a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. I was in Hollywood looking for drugs. So I went, I was in the hood in Hollywood, and um, I met some street walker. She looked like she did drugs. Tried to give her a hundred bucks for some heroin, and she gave me uh, Compact. Mm. And I was, did you shoot it up? No, 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 no. <laughs> I knew once she gave it to me, and she, like, ran off. You knew that it was bad. And I was, like, I still had money in my pocket. I was, like just take it as a loss because you end up killing it or putting like dragging this girl for no mm-hmm. f- didn't need to make it worse than it was so I drove so I drove to North Lauderdale where I knew I, could, I knew somebody I can get some drugs from <laughs> make a long story short, some girl that I knew from my ex-girlfriend her f- like cousin happened to this guy short he got rest his soul he he just passed he he overdosed like eight months ago wow. so he got me some crack and some some heroin or blues, one of the two, I don't remember. So we, we were like getting high uh, for a couple of days and then I couldn't, he couldn't get any more crack. But Flocka was a thing. Was your first time seeing it? Well, at the time, it, mm-hmm. I guess it was like 2015, I don't know when it came around, but I was gone, I guess maybe when it first hit the streets. So he came around and uh, he got me some Flocka and I started shooting Flocka. I was up for a week. Oh man, it's so crazy. I was... I say it's like meth and acid. 100% it is. Uh I mean, when I'm talking about, this is July, August. So August to November, I start shooting Flocka. I was so out of control. I've been up for, I would be literally like weeks and weeks. For four months of running on Flocka, I probably slept 10 days in four months. Like I would be up for a week, two weeks straight. And like wow. the amount of delusion that I, state I was in, it's mind boggling. I couldn't, to this day, I can't separate uh, reality from what wasn't because mm-hmm. some of it seems so real. My so I had a place in North uh, in North Miami Beach. So one night I I was there. I fucking I finally fell asleep, and I wake up and I hear fucking banging on my door. I'm like, what the fuck? And I look outside. It's my fucking mom with like the police, and I'm I'll fucking lock the door. <laughs> And they had the key from the from the uh, the association landlord, the landlord yeah. to, to let them in. They came and they baker bakeracted me. They took me to Aventura Hospital. I spent a week in there detoxing. They let me out on September 16th, the day before my birthday, 2015. And they let me out and I, my mom wouldn't take none of my calls. I had a suitcase of everything that I owned and I was walking the streets of Hollywood. It started raining that night. I was walking the streets and I was like, man, I, I don't know where, I didn't know what to do. The only thing I knew what to do is finally—I slept, like, in the hood, in the—like, under, like, a, a apartment building overhead. And then when it started to get—the rain settled down, I, I took a—I got on a bus and I went back to North Lauderdale where I knew I could get high. At first, I went there. My intention wasn't to get high. I wanted to get a hotel room and take a shower and relax. Uh, and I was calling my family. I was like, man, I was like, please, let me get a hundred bucks. I just want to get a hotel. And everybody in my family—I called my grandfather— I can't, he's like, your father doesn't want nothing to do with you. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. My mom, she's like, you're fucked. I called our friend. Anytime I was like, I know I could, I call him and he'll, he'll he'll look out. Mm -hmm. And this was before he even knew how bad I had really ever gotten. And he's like, he's like, Shane, I just, I, I can't do it man I, I just got too much stuff going on and i can't do it and now it did now i know why he did it mm-hmm. were you like
0: resentful and angry like what no, were you feeling? No, were no, you no, like no. did i get it
1: no I, well at the time i just was like i'm just trying to find money i wasn't even mad i just wanted to find money for a hotel. well at that time i called him i wasn't looking f- on my birthday i didn't call him mm-hmm. i called him other times when i was just trying to get high
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i call my buddy jeff from the strip club mm-hmm. and he's like he's like yeah, he's like, I'm not at the club, but you can go there and tell Daryl uh, to get some money off the safe for you, and I'll just replace it tomorrow. I was like, bet. Mm-hmm. I took a cab. I didn't have money to get in the cab, so I knew I was going to get money to pay for the cab when I got there. And as soon as I got the money, the thought of taking a shower was, and getting a
0: hotel room was out of the window. I got high. It's crazy how like just the money hitting your hand alters your mind. Every single because, time. Because like, sometimes when kids are like, Oh, you know, I don't want to get high. I'm like, you know, like you don't understand what's going to happen in the next scenario when when you're put in the right position. It's like I don't want to eat pizza right now, but if a motherfucker walked in with some pizza, I might want to eat some pizza. You know what I mean? So it's like what you how you're feeling right now is not how you're going to be feeling when you walk out that door, when that money hits your hand, when your girl breaks up with you. So that's why I always like, you know, try to reiterate like preparing for the storm before the storm. Because you don't know how that situation is going to affect your mind or mood until the rubber hits the road. And, and the, well, I mean, that's that's how the 12-Star program, it helped me identify mm-hmm. negative
1: behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I always had a bad temper. I kind of catch myself nowadays. Uh, so I'm getting high that night. Things were happening. I uh I, really, I had nowhere to go. The people, whose house, like they, the people whose house I was getting high, I wasn't allowed in the house. Mm-hmm. I was only allowed to like to get high outside because I was friends with the family. I mean, I, I was friends with the people who lived in the house family. So we were only like get higher in the back patio or the, the front, ha- front of the house. I had nowhere to go and I'm, here I am, I'm walking down 441 with a suitcase and I have no, I'll never forget this person. I wish I could find this person to mm. this day. I was walking down 441 in North Lauderdale and I called her friend's mother at the time, and I was like, "Can I please just come? I, 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 I don't, don't want to be on the street. I don't want to get high off this shit anymore." She's like, "Yeah, yeah, come, come, come." Of course. <laughs> and uh, I'm walking down the street. I have mm-hmm. no idea, and I'm I'm in North Lauderdale. This is Weston, and I'm walking. I have no idea how I'm going to get there. I'm dragging this fucking suitcase down 441, and some random guy just pulls. Up. He knew this, I, I needed help. Mm-hmm. And he's like, are you okay? He's like, where you got to go? I was like, I need I need a ride to my friend's house. I need a fr- ride to a friend so I, I have somewhere to go. He's like, yeah, come on, get in. Drove me there, took me to CVS, got me deodorant, toothpaste, wow. toothbrush. I, I couldn't even tell you his name. I couldn't Just spot him. random dude. Couldn't spot him f- from a mile away if he was walk past me or brushed my shoulders. I wish I could. So I went there and I was like, yeah, I'm going to get sober or, or I'm going to stay sober. But sober to me was not being sober it was just not doing the shit that was yeah shooting flock or drinking and smoking weed yes that's yeah it's normal or popping a xanax to relax that's fine <laughs> smoking a little weed it's cool and our friend's sister was living there at the time yeah. and she was trying to stay straight, straight and she's too. and she knew what recovery was and i didn't mm. but you're gonna take a xanax i was like yeah you know whatever i was always close to my mother and my mother's when my grandmother and she, my my grandmother lived in, lived in East Fort Lauderdale, I was like, I'm like, I told my nana, I was like, like nana, I've been I've been clean for a week or two. I was like, I, I want to get a job. I want to come out there. And she's like, she's like, you can come stay with me. My mother is in the clothing business, and when I was all fucked up, she would uh she would give me clothes, and she was like, go sell, stop fucking asking me for money, just go sell this shit and get out of my face. I would go to beauty salons and and, and so your grandma sold clothes. Or your mom's. My with- mother. My mom would give them to me so, so I could uh leave her the fuck alone. When I was like on the flock, well, this was actually after with, I ended up at the swap shop. <laughs> I would go, I went to my grandma's, and my mom gave me a bunch of clothes, and my grand my grandma a fucking gee. She would get up, she got up with me, she's like, We're gonna go, we're gonna go to the swap shop, we're gonna sell these fucking clothes. She got up with me at four o'clock in the morning and went out to the swap shop, set up outside. We sold enough clothes and I could buy a fucking five hundred dollar car. Or I made like seven eight hundred dollars within a couple hours. Mm. My grandma helped me sell those and buy a van, like five or six hundred bucks. It was a hoopty, but it was mm-hmm. a car. And now I can go look for a job. And then I had some money and I was in her house and I had a girl come over and uh, I had the car and I went and applied to a job and I got hired at this like wood play, wood making place. And I was starting the next morning. This girl came over and we ended up. I went to getting flocking and getting high all night and not making it to, to work. I hit it for a couple days, and then she realized it. And she's like, you got to get the fuck out of my house. Everything I owned was in this van. I would go to the swap shop and sell clothes so I had enough money to get high or to find a hotel room. It was crazy because I was up for days, and oh man, I'd be at the swap shop, and everybody's like, $1, $1, and everybody's reaching for shit, too. And I'm thinking everybody's stealing stuff, and I'm like, one day I fucking— like, everybody stepped the fuck back. Mm-hmm. Stop dealing my shit. I flipped all my shit over. I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I, I got in. I have been up for days, delusional as fuck. I get in the car, and I think—I still, to this day, think that my mom hired a private investigator <laughs> and was— fo- she, My mom told well, me that she was watching me, but she wouldn't tell me to the extent because she mm-hmm. was scared that I was going to kill myself. And she mm-hmm. had every right to think that way. So I, like, packed all my shit, and I'm fucking driving I bought a bunch of fucking flocca, and my I would get a hotel room. My mom she would sell, she would like pay for a hotel room for me, and I was getting high in hotel rooms all over Broward. And every time I would get thrown out of it, hmm. so I was so fucking delusional. I had like an eight ball of flocca, and I I, was, I knew I felt I felt like I was being followed. I swallowed eight ball of flocca. Wow, but in a bag. Yeah, but, but still. No, well, it, what happened was it, it's over a period of time it was breaking it, it, the bag opened and it was breaking up in me and I kept getting higher and higher and higher. And I still wanted to find Flocka to shoot. Wow. But I I didn't realize that I was still getting high. I was just so fucked up and I was out of my mind, but I had no, I had no clothes left to sell. Mm -hmm. I had no money. And I'm in this fucking van with everything I have in me. I swallowed my drugs And um, I was on 441 at this gas station. I was in this car. I was in my car looking. I was looking. I had to have been looking for drugs, but there's no fucking drugs on the floor for hours just sitting there looking, 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 looking. The sun didn't come up yet. I walk up to the the night window because you weren't allowed in the store at night. Mm -hmm. The The guy, I really didn't have gas in the car to drive anywhere. I walked up to the window and the guy who at work in the night, he tried to put a bottle of water for me under the thing. And I was like, I don't fucking want water. I was like, put some gas in my car. <laughs> and he's, and I was like, no, so I went back to the front and I'm like fucking, still looking for shit. Fucked up out of my mind. The sun comes up. The police show up and they're like, you all right? All fucked up on flock on my jogs, all fucked up. And they're like, you all right? I was like, yeah, I just didn't take my psych medica- medication. And he was like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. He went and bought me, a cu- they were nice guys. He went and bought me a cup of coffee, and so this van, I never regist- registered, it. registered yeah. it. I didn't have insurance. I had a tag from a different car. From the from the house that I was getting hired at, they gave me a tag from a different car. So the only proof that I owned that car was the tag. I mean, the title. Mm-hmm. That title was in that car. If I lose that title, there's no
0: proof that you that owned
1: I ever owned it because it's never in, went to the system.
0: Whatever. Yeah.
1: So these fucking cops gave me my ID and the title, I was like, they were towing it. And I was like, no, 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 leave everything in the car. And they're like, no, 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 you take it. I was like, no, because if, I'm thinking to myself, if they tow it and it goes to the tow truck company, when I get there, I could show that it's mine. Mm-hmm. They gave it to me. And I was like, the fuck? I'm walking in like Lauderdale Lakes, up and down 441, and I'm like trying to get somebody to let me use a phone to call my mom. And people, somebody thought I was a fucking peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. And they called the police, and they seen I was all fucked up. I was like, oh, I "Ah, f- take me to the fucking hospital. I th- I'm not feeling good." They're like, "They're like, listen, if we take you to the hospital, you're going to jail." I was like, "I'm fine." So they let me. They're like, "Get the fuck out of here." So I ended up on Oakland Park Flea Market is in Oakland Park. Mm-hmm. I was so fucking high, I was delusional. I thought that my ex girlfriend from the past was in this office building, so I walked. I'm walking in the office building, like looking for her in rooms. During the day? During the day. (laughs) And I'm fucking checking people. I don't know what I was saying. I was checking people's mail, thinking I'm gonna fucking find like money. Like you know, it's illegal to take people's mail. Mm -hmm. And I'm just taking mail out of mailboxes in the part in the office building. I I was on the the northeast corner of Oakland Park and uh wherever the The flea market the building Mm -hmm. in the flea market across from the flea market and BSO rolled up on me and they're like, get in the car. I was like, why? They're like, We're driving you out of our city. And I was like Okay, so they drove me to commercial, the commercial boulevard. It's pretty nice of them. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. So now I'm walking. There's a there's a shopping plaza where there's a Winn-Dixie and across the street, somebody gave me like five bucks, and I walked into a bar there and I got a fucking whiskey, mm-hmm. and then I walked across the street and I was looking to take a shower, mm-hmm. and I, there was a, there's a there's a mobile home park there where there's ha, uh, like mobile homes, and I was like, Can I take a shower, and they're like. Everybody in this whole mobile home park shares one shower. You can't shower here. So I'm like, okay. So I keep walking. I cross over. And there's a Bank of America right there. And I'm standing at the Bank of America. Some guy was getting money out the ATM. And I'm thinking like money. Fu- I literally thought like money was just going to fly out into my hand. I ended up. Walk- there was an ex- I, th- I think it's an extended stay right there. I, th- I think it's extended stay or La Quinta. Mm-hmm. I walked into the neighborhood and I seen this girl. She had a a garbage bag and she was folding clothes. And I thought, those are my clothes that were in my car. Now, mind you, when the car, when the, co- the cops towed my car, everything I owned was in that car. Mm-hmm. Everything that I had left to my name. Like other than like some stuff my parents might've had over the years, but like pictures and every piece of clothing I had. I seen the girl and I was like, that's mine. So I walked upstairs and I'm like, I'm gonna take a shower. And I just walked into her hotel room when she got the door open, folding clothes, and I took a long fucking hot shower. Wow. And I walk out. What did she say? I walked out butt ass naked, and she's like, I have something for your fucking ass. Next thing I knew, two BSO cops. I'm standing there butt ass fucking naked. Oh my God. Cops, and I'm like, I, something in my mind. I, I, it was like a video game to me. I fucking like, charged at the police. And they beat the shit out of me. <laughs> they they dragged me. And to this day, oh, man, with my fucking record, I, I don't know how I didn't end up in jail that night. Anyways, they didn't send you to jail? The, so they beat me up. They threw me in the back of a cop car, leg butt naked, legs ass up in the air, everybody in the fucking the hotels <laughs> videotaping me
0: have you and seen this no I looked, I looked i looked <laughs> i looked
1: i looked because when i first got sober i started working in a call room and there was like an it girl and i kind of like told them briefly my story and she was like looking on the internet because all that flock of shit was happening yeah all over the news we never found it thank god but i was in the back then the ambulance came they threw me in the back of the ambulance i'm like can you fucking lower these i'm um, loosening these fucking cups I had like a hundred and four and a half, hundred and five fever, mm-hmm. not realizing how fucked up I was. They get me to the fucking hospital. Every fucking BSO in Tamarack was there in the hospital and uh out of control. I was saying a lot of vulgar shit to the nurses in there. I shouldn't have been saying, they gave me something, they put me to sleep. I woke up in a in a hospital bed in a room. Obviously, they had me on like watch.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, the lady that was in my room, I thought, like, I told you, like, I had this obsession that I had a private investigator. My mom was, fo- like, following me everywhere. So, I was like, I know what you're here for. I know why you're here. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, I called my mom. And after 24 hours, they brought me upstairs to, and to the baker- to the psych unit. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, my mom came and saw me, and then the next day they took me upstairs. And uh, I can't really remember exactly what, how many days I was up there. But I talked to the doctor. Well, first of all, I called my my ex-girlfriend who I thought was in the office building. And I was like, everything. She's like, oh, she's so, she's like, I've never heard you like this, Shane. Are you okay? So she's like, okay, Shane, I, I believe you. Mm-hmm. I believe you. And I was, she's like, I just hope that you're going to be okay. I was like, okay. I'm like ups, obsessing that I saw her there. And then I spoke to the doctor. He's like, we're going to let you out tomorrow. I called my mom. I was like, mom, they're going to let me out tomorrow. And she's like, I'm not fucking coming to get you unless you get help. And I was like, well, fuck you and fuck. Everybody in here. And I started fighting with all the, all the hot people in the hospital. And they gave me, I guess, a Thorazine shot. I shipped yeah. for like 24 hours. And I woke up and I was like, maybe I need to try to get a little bit of help. And I didn't have any insurance. My mom was going to pay for me to go to outpatient. Mm-hmm. And I got there. Well, fir- well, first that night, I got out that night. My mom had a, The guy who was supposed to intake me at the outpatient, he, he didn't stay that. My mom was pissed. Cause she had to give me a hotel, and she was scared that I was going to end up in the streets again, disappear. Mm-hmm. And she had every right to be scared. She's like, "This my son might be dead, and you're fucking leaving. Let's get him in there." So she had to give me a hotel room in Hollywood that night. It's so crazy. That night, I like I went and showered. I went in the pool and I relaxed, and I, I just was like, "I think I'm going to try to just chill." Mm-hmm. That next morning, I kind of like, f- that morning, my mom took me to get a license. I was reaching in my mom's purse, looking for pills to take that morning mm-hmm. before we went to the outpatient. I went to the hospital, went out a piece of underwear on my, I had nothing. Mm-hmm. They had to give me, when I left the hospital, they had to give me a t-shirt and like shorts to leave in. So my mom took me to a footlocker. She got me some shorts, um, some clothes, some shoes, some white t-shirts. How old are you at this point? So this was six years ago. So I'm 30, I was 30 years old. I just, wow. yeah. November 2015, that morning she took me and I was like looking for pills and her stuff and uh, we got to the IOP and or the the it was a rehab they had inpatient outpatient and they got there and they drug tested me and they're like you're not you need to go to a hospital and get stabilized I had every drug you can imagine in my system so they took me to the hospital I stayed there for a couple days and um, they scholarship me for a week inpatient and I always had this. Walk in the room. You have to be the toughest guy in the room. Uh, You can't show fear. You can't show emotion. It's a sign of weakness, Mm -hmm. especially in some of the places I've been. I feel like it was something that I had to 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 carry around. And then I'm in these group fucking meetings, and I'm talking about shit I never talked about. I was a fucking emotion. I started crying. I had all these feelings I haven't felt in years, probably since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. My week was up, and they're like, "Okay, Shane, it's 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 time for you to go." It's crazy. One week, and I was like. I'm not ready to go. And they're like, all right, you can stay for another week. My one week, I got out the day before Thanksgiving 2015. I had been sober two weeks, wow. two weeks. And I called my mom. I was like, Did you hook up my phone? My my number. She's like, I got you a fucking new phone number. Are you crazy? And I was under the impression. So my buddy Jeff with the strip club, he had he was opening a strip club. And he's like, I want you to run my I want you to run my club. You're gonna, you're the boss. And I was, like, getting out of rehab, and uh, everybody, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go run a strip club. And everybody was like, are you fucking crazy? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> what could go wrong? I, nothing at all. I t- my mom told me she got me a new number, and I was like, why? And she's like, you don't need all the fucking numbers. I was like, okay, you're right. It's fine. I mean, in, I mean, in reality, like, living in Florida, I, I can find anything I want at any time. Mm-hmm. But it, it makes it a lot easier because— mm-hmm. They say don't go back home or, you, or try to stay away from things mm-hmm. that, that brought you into that lifestyle. And it it really is. Mm-hmm.
0: And like all that, like a lot of times people think that like, oh, this doesn't matter, that that doesn't it, matter. It, it, it all adds up. So it's like, you know, when I always tell people is like, oh, do I have to do IOP? Do I have to do this? And it's like, look, if you're going to war, you can go with a handgun, you go with a, a spoon, you go to AK-47, but it's like the more shit you have, the more prepared, prepared you're going to be. I'm not saying that if you do X, Y, and Z, it's gonna, you're gonna 100% succeed, but you're giving yourself that little uh, bit. So it's like, if you already know what you're facing and you've already failed so many times, why not just wait until you have it all? Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Got me a place, I went to IOP.
1: I, I was, you know, doing all, I was, I was going to meeting. Well, actually the first, I'll never forget, the first day I was getting out, I'm sorry, treatment going to IOP, the guy who ran the, that rehab, he's like, I got Comcast coming today at five o'clock. Just make sure you're there. I was like, I was like, I'm going to a fucking meeting. Mm-hmm. And the girl who fran, she ran the IOP and she or the rehab, or she worked at the rehab. And she's like, that kid's going to a meeting. He wants to go to a meeting. Let him go to a meeting. Mm-hmm. I'll never I'll never forget. So I had been sober for two weeks. I'd been going to meetings, obviously, in the in, in rehab. I listened in the meetings. I was that guy like in the room, like, didn't want to go get his white key chip.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right before I left, Fran looked at me, and she's like, she's like, you don't ever have to pick up ever again. I went to a, her home group that night, which is the rehab's home group at the mm-hmm. time. They call white key chips, white key tags, and uh, she looked at me, and I got up, and I got my first white key tag. Uh-huh. Took suggestions, I didn't take suggestions, you know, as far as like, you know. The, wait, you've been clean since then? I've been clean since November 8th. I think I was, I've been, Clean and sober since a few days before my actual date, but, you but I just, sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure. So I, November eighth it is since wow. two thousand fifteen. That's badass. So congrats. Thank you, thank you. And it was it was a lot going through it. You know, I have I I I had the opportunity to go work for my mother in an established business. My I love my mother more than anything in the world. She has a lot of trauma from her childhood, and she's put it. My mom. Not intentionally. Made me want to use every single day the first, like, 18 months of my life. Mm-hmm. And my sponsor told me that, well, this was later on. He was like, if, if you haven't picked up yet, you'll never have to pick up again because it's just insane. But, like, I was I was going to meetings. I, I really hadn't started working a program. Our friend was my uh, my first sponsor.
0: So, you know, just so people... That are listening, you know, working a program, would apply, working steps, and doing service, and all this stuff. So you were going to meetings, but you weren't really fully committed to the twelve step program. You kind of just were staying abstinent and socializing around like positive people. Correct. You know.
1: Yeah, I just, I didn't, I, I kind of was thinking, uh, I think I could make it without just being Mm -hmm. absent, abstinence from the program, Mm -hmm. and staying away from the drugs. And then I got in a relationship with a girl, who was like not sober when I was met her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was not a good idea. I, well, honestly, if anybody out there is struggling, I, I highly assess, suggest stay away from women for a little bit, get get comfortable being alone with yourself, do whatever is right for you. I just would highly suggest um, just working on yourself first. Be, comf- be comfortable being alone before you need somebody to be happy with. Mm-hmm. Per- that's my personal opinion. Um, so we got in a relationship with her. Uh, she would get violent and it was just very unhealthy for me. And I just knew that I needed to remove myself from the situation. I still have love for her and I always will, but I just knew that I needed to put my, myself first because mm-hmm. I know that the way Shane used when he was broke, now I have money in my pocket, I'll be dead. And I I I literally live by that today. Like mm-hmm. I know that, it's not even because the drugs, we don't know what are in the drugs anymore. I'm that guy who will lock myself in that hotel room all by myself and get high till there's no end.
0: Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, it's kind of got to be that way. Um, like, if you don't look at drugs and just be like, to use this to die, for me to pick up a drink is just the same way as to put a gun to my head and pull the trigger. Uh, it's the same thing to me. Yeah, There's actually more decency in blowing my brains out as there is for me to do drugs and whether or not some people think that's true or that's a little extreme, that's kind of what it takes to break the addict thinking. The addict thinking is like, oh, it's just a drink. Oh, and like, you know, it's, it's a slippery slope for addicts and it doesn't, it's easy to convince yourself it's just weed. Oh, it's just a stick of Xanax. Oh, it's just, you know, Vivance or some shit. Well, well, I used to be like, I don't think alcohol is a
1: problem, mm-hmm. but I know that. I'll be high if, if I do drink. So it's just
0: like I'm not even playing those games. I would always think that, you know what? Because I used to think like, what, I'm going to have a drink and then be doing coke? Come on. like oh, oh, Those <laughs> two definitely go together. <laughs> but then I was like, there's been times where like, you know, with a couple years clean, I would go out and I'd be like in the bathroom taking a piss. And I'd be like, damn, imagine if I was drunk right now and I heard someone go... Oh, yeah, you And I'm and like, like, it's you, over with. Hey, 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 what you got there, buddy? <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I I started to see, wow, maybe drinking could lead to other things. Now it's super obvious to me. Like, no shit, it is. You yeah. know, uh, there's like that that saying that people say that alcohol turns me into someone else, and that other person smokes crack. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, that's, that's 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 definitely the truth. Because I know I I know
1: obviously I always had addict behavior, and it was like the buildup. Mm-hmm. to it. And then once I felt that thing that ups- that had me obsessed, like I know where it all leads to that circle, no matter what. So I was in a relationship and it wasn't healthy. I need- I-, I-, I needed to get out of it. It was summertime. My daughter had just came down f- for the summer. I had broke up with her. It wasn't anything personal towards her. Well, but I felt empty. Mm-hmm and I hurt this person that I cared about, and I did nothing to work on myself. In the, uh, I was coming up on a year, I wanna say, six months, eight months, something like that. I wanted to get high. I laid in bed. Well, that was the first time since I had been sober that I wanted to get high. At the time, my sponsor, and it wasn't anything that my sponsor at the time didn't do, it's what I didn't do, mm-hmm. what I didn't do. And he had a lot going on in his life, and at that time, I needed urgency, so I found another sponsor, and I got to work him, like, immediately. And I started doing some work on myself. Even, I I, I walked myself through the steps and then, you know, I did some work on myself, I accumulated some time, and then I allowed, I wanted to allow the same person back in my life later on. Mm -hmm. It got toxic again. I wanted to get high again. And this one time, like, I was in my car driving to get high. And I took a second, I'm like, Shane, you get these drugs, when they're gone, what are you gonna do? And I was like, go buy some more. And I went
0: and laid down. And I slept it off. And it's about playing the tape. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a simple. It's a simple trick. But it's like when you play the tape. That's what we call it. You know what I mean? It's like all right, because we only think about that first hit. It's, and in recovery, someone was like, "It's time to start thinking about the last hit." And I remember being like, "Oh damn!" Like th- there's a way that addicts have said things that I'm like, "That shit makes sense." And, and even the cliches, all yeah, the cliches, 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 whatever. <laughs> Like, it didn't sound cliche to me because I never heard them before, but, like, a lot of the, there's things that addicts have said to me that no non-addict could ever ever say in a way that hits me where I'm like, damn, these motherfuckers are up to something, you know? Like, there's something to this that these people are doing. You couldn't tell me that it wasn't working because I saw so much proof over and over. And as much as you want to talk about, like, the drama and, like, the clicks or whatever, like... I knew that people in recovery in 12-step meetings were hardcore addicts, probably a lot of them worse than me. And I really believed that they were not doing any substances. Yeah. Everybody's journey could lead to the same place. Mm-hmm. So whether
1: my drug obsession at the time was a little bit more escalated than somebody else's, it doesn't mean that their journey is any different or sure. any better or worse than mine. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean this like every single person, whether you are... An hour from the drugs, or you've got years from the drugs. Every person that I know that's trying gives me strength every mm-hmm. day, and that keeps helps keep me sober. Also, including the twelve steps and being close to my sponsor and my friends who hold me accountable. And I'm my biggest critic to this day, mm-hmm. every day. Like, like I said, like I, I I had that persona. Like I knew when I walked in the room that I had something to uphold. And Now, I just want to be the nicest person I possibly can be. Mm-hmm. I want to be somebody that my daughter can look up to. The 12-step program has literally helped keep me on track. Mm-hmm. It helped me identify a lot of behaviors of why I acted out in certain behaviors and what brought me to areas of my life that I should have never been in. Like when I tell you, six, probably even six years ago, my whole life, anything that ever any any thought that ever came out of my, ma- my, my brain was probably the last thing that any human being should ever do. Mm-hmm. And when I first was in rehab, there was a therapist there and he was like, he was telling us first thought wrong, first thought wrong, first thought wrong. And now I'm at a point in my life, like obviously I'm not perfect, but doing the wrong thing is like the furthest thing from my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's scary out there because some people don't get one, their one last hit is it. Mm-hmm is it, and that's that's the reality and spe- and obviously i wasn't in the recovery scene before
0: i got into the program
1: but i never realized how many people are dropping dead every day mm-hmm. and it's the scariest thing in the world
0: yeah it's crazy it really is like russian roulette i, n- I remember i heard the speaker once and he was like you know he's an old dope fiend and he's like man you know when i was using dope like nothing scared me like, addicts weren't scared. People were dying left and right, da da, da. He's like, today, I think people are scared, <laughs> you know? They, they are. He's like, bro, I think people are scared because it's like, I know a kid who his drug of choice was powder cocaine. Good kid, probably 19 years old, came from a good family, looked like an Abercrombie model. You'll never think he had a drug program. He was clean for a couple months, was going to church, going to meetings, doing whatever he wanted to do, staying clean. He went to the gas station nearby his halfway house. Most halfways are in the hood. He got sold a bag of coke, and this kid died, you know. And it's like, dude, this kid died off coke. He thought he was buying coke. You know Listen, what I mean? My father is one of those rare people that like partied
1: in the seventies and like mm-hmm. kind of just like reeled it in. Oh, yeah, he, I mean, my, he's, you know, he's he always smoked weed my whole mm-hmm. life. Never smoked it in front of me. My dad and I didn't talk for years because every time I came back, even when I got sober, the first. Uh year of my life of, of sobriety, my dad didn't talk. I call him like Dad, I've been, I've been, I've been sober. he's like, "Yeah, I yeah, know yeah, yeah. I've heard this before." Mm-hmm. And then I have a cousin, my cousin Jonathan, he got clean in Philly. He had a problem, and uh, he came down to visit. Uh, I, I want to say I had like 18 months sober. I was renting a room from somebody at the time. Mm-hmm. Not in halfway. I just rented a room, and my cousin came down to visit and I, I didn't have for, so I got him a hotel room. Mm-hmm. We went to the gym and I hadn't seen, my dad's family hadn't talked to me in years. And he's like, uh, I'm going to pick you up at, uh, at like set, uh, six o'clock. We're going to Papa's for dinner. I was like, I'm not going to Papa's. I was like, nobody wants me there. He's like, you're going to see Papa's. You're going to Papa's.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've always been close for my grandfather and him not talking to me when he saw me sober. He's... Never been so. Oh, he's to now. He's happy because he really knows he has me yeah. back in his life. And I looked at my dad. I was like, my dad owns property, and I was like, I was like, dad. I was like, you know, I got money. I was like, let me rent one of your places. He's. I was like, he's like, call me Monday. Hmm. And that's kind of how it started with the family. And now to this day, like my dad. Ev- well, first of all, my dad and I became best. Like when I say best friends, cool. we talk every single day. Oh, he tells me every single day how proud he is of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most refreshing feeling in the world to know that I, I've not made I'm making myself proud, I'm making the people that love me the most and want to see me do well proud. Mm-hmm. I'm in my daughter's life.
0: I'm there for her. How's your daughter now? She'll be 13 the 31st of December there. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't imagine having a 13-year-old. That's She's crazy. uh
1: She's definitely, she definitely doesn't have the soul that I had at 13 because mm-hmm. she's such a special human
0: being. She's, she has a sweet soul. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm very grateful. Yeah, that's awesome. What, um, so, you know, when you first got clean, like, a lot of people don't realize, like, how hard it is to go over that hurdle with the family. Because when I first got clean, I was so resentful at my family for not believing I was clean. And it took me so long to, like, to really understand that, like, hey, look. You know, if you walk 20 miles into the woods, it's gonna take you 20 miles to walk out. And I was always the person that would walk 20 miles into the wood, take 20 steps back, and then be like, bro, how come I'm not out of the woods yet, you know? Yeah, it, 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 it takes, listen, the relationship I have with my father
1: came through some, from some issues. I mean, mm-hmm. when I first started renting from him, I was like, that's my dad, I'll pay him a little late on time. Mm-hmm. Not late, it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. He's got the money. At, at first, took I was, since then, took over a business. But he sold the property prior to that. I was like, "You sold the fucking pro- property that I'm renting because it was a building with a bunch of apartments in yeah. it." But I had no lease, so my dad was like, "I'm just going to let you know they want to renovate. You're you have no lease. You're going to be the first one out. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to start finding a place to live." I was like, "You fucking asshole!" <laughs> <laughs> but you know, hey, listen, I don't want anything easy anymore. Yeah. No, and uh, nothing worth easy. Nothing easy is worth keeping,
0: and that's mm-hmm. that's that's the truth. And life is like that, you know, like, uh, I experienced like so much death. And uh, the the only way I've been able to like try to get through it is like, you know, I believe everything is given by God. And like, if I give you a shirt, because you don't have a shirt, if I want that shirt back in 30 minutes, I get that shirt back in 30 minutes. You know, if I met somebody that I love, and I got to spend seven or eight years with them, I should be grateful that I got seven or eight years with them, instead of being like, fuck you, God, why'd you take this person away? Because at the reality, you know, the higher power of the universe can choose to take and give whatever. Because the same power that is creating life, there's power it's, that's it's taken away. Because yeah. you can't create without destroying at the same time. So I believe there's like a balance in the universe. And it's like, you know, when like a new flower grows, like another <laughs> no, no one, one dies.
1: dies. No, it's 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 tr- it's definitely... Tr- and that's what tr- makes life so
0: special is that it's so fragile. It, it, it's I've never realized how fragile it is until... These these days, because when you're using, and like I remember, I treated my body like a crack pipe. You know what I mean? Like my body was like a fucking syringe. It was like a fucking paraphernalia. So when the last
1: time I I, I was in jail and got out, I was I, I'm a big guy. I've always been like even since I was third. Like I've been bigger than my dad since I was like 13 years mm-hmm. old. When I got a, when I got a, I was 170. I told you that one hot dog that was Mm -hmm. gonna last me two weeks, like I had never, didn't take care of myself. And I was, when I was in and out, like I always worked out here and there, my body and my life is all I have. Mm -hmm. And my mind, you only got one. And drugs really took a toll on my brain, uh, just trying to learn new things and comprehend. People say, oh, it's part of getting older. I was like, yeah, you don't know the drugs that I did. So mm-hmm. I definitely feel it on that on that aspect. And if anybody out there can prevent taking any
0: other toll on your body mm-hmm. that you don't have to do anymore, I highly suggest it. A thousand percent. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, um, if you could like, because I know it took you a while to work the steps. And um, I know a lot of people that you know, slack on the steps. And like, honestly, like I believe one of my purposes in life is to motivate people to work the steps. And I feel like part of the 12 steps is to get other people through the 12 steps, you know? So like, what is something that you would tell somebody that is like in recovery, but not really all in yet, you know? You have to do this. <laughs> it's changed everything in my life,
1: man. Mm-hmm. I learned things about myself I didn't want to accept or I wasn't aware of. They, they, they say, uh, you can't teach your old dog new tricks. You can't teach somebody to change something that they're not willing to accept. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to accept or look into the reason that's causing you to act out in any kind of negative behavior, whether it's using or anything else, if you don't wanna look inside and figure it out, you can't expect to solve the problem. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: The steps have helped me look at at myself and try to help other people guide them through what I went through and get them there in one piece. And if they can stay sober and work themselves through the twelve steps, there's there's nothing
0: better in this world, and there's nothing in this world that you can't achieve.
1: Yeah, and it starts with the work.
0: I try to tell people that all the time. It's like, uh, you know, like like being clean in itself is a superpower because you just start operating at such a high level when you realize you're not spending your time getting fucked up. We are the <laughs> we are the greatest human beings on the planet. One thousand
1: percent. We have we we really are super. We are superheroes. If you could just kind of apply that obsession, Mm
0: -hmm. there's not, you can accomplish anything. A thousand percent. Like whenever I see like these homeless people or whatever, and like people like, you know, turn their backs. They're like, oh, these people are just fucking whatever. But it's like, dude, that guy who's out there hustling every day (laughs) to make it happen.
1: Just imagine.
0: Imagine what he would do if he applied that into something positive because like like the hustle's there. I I, I mean,
1: I'm obsessive with the things in my life that I know better myself, Mm -hmm. whether it's living sober, 12-step program, working hard, Mm -hmm. uh, exercise. I mean, anything like that that I know that's going to help make me feel good for myself, Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with.
0: For sure. And what's obsession? Focus. You know what I mean? So a lot of times people see like the word obsession. They think it's like some negative thing. But it's like if you want to really master one thing, you got to really be obsessed with it. You got to be focused about it. But the reality is, there needs to be some type of balance with physical and spirituality as well. Because if you just focus on one thing, it's just like you know, it's like working out, but only working out your biceps. One
1: part of of your body is good, and the other, and your mind might not be. Your mind might be, and your body's no. I Mm -hmm. I agree one hundred percent. I definitely take pride in um, trying to better myself every day, whether it's reading books or what are some books that really like changed you? Well. The the with twelve agreements four agreements four agreements sorry my yeah. mind just playing you posted that years ago that was the first book in recovery that changed my life wow you posted that that book changed my and life I, yeah you you posted it. I bought it. I read it, and it changed my life. Wow! Never told me. <laughs> I, you know, you know, whatever, life is life shows up. And, yeah. you know, I think I said I might have sent it maybe, to you. Maybe, maybe. But yeah. uh, I might have sent a picture of it to you. But I don't think I, I told you. Mm-hmm. I, I I I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Uh, my mind doesn't function properly. Yeah. A lot. Of, I do a lot of reading. A lot of podcasts. Um, definitely. Being one with yourself and, and, and finding out which, what you need. And the 12 steps will make you, the 12, 12 step program, program will help give you purpose in this life. That's okay. a fact. And I truly believe whether you're an alcoholic, an addict, or just a regular human being, the 12 step program can make every person on this planet a better person. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have an addiction or, or mm-hmm. have a drug problem. And it's, it's super simple. So simple.
0: Simple, practical, easy to apply. It's really a process of awareness. and The more awareness you get, the little space you get between your impulses. And and that's really what, um, you know, six and seven have done for me is that there was a time where I would just think and do, think and do, think and do, or do and think. (laughs) think. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, the more awareness I get, I get a little space where I can think before I do, and then I can think a little longer, and then maybe I do a little less. And sometimes people say like, oh, like, like I could be quiet. But there's a time where I couldn't. Yeah, no. There's a time where I, you know, I would, I would, I would, say things I shouldn't say. Like I learned how to sleep on things. In certain situations, I have, I can be
1: known to to get a little bit. Not, I don't want to say out of character, but I have a strong personality. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to tone that back a little bit because when I say things like, I'm I'm known for saying things maybe not the softest way mm-hmm. to approach somebody who might be going through it, and it's not doing it intentionally. Uh, and. To, Ideally, I care. Mm-hmm. I've tried to learn my deliver to bring it a little bit softer because I don't want to yeah. push anybody away or offend. Any, feel like I'm attacking them mm-hmm. in a sense when I'm really just trying to have a conversation. You know, I, I surround myself around people that are going to call me out on my shit. I want to be able to be around people who can do the same because none of us are perfect. For sure, and we don't always notice when we're acting out either. So mm-hmm. uh, I definitely try to embrace that, and it's helped me. And I, I'm known for keeping to myself a little bit too. Yeah. I'm I'm
0: I'm happy. Life is amazing. Hey, I appreciate you, bro. I love you so much. I I it's so cool doing the podcast because there's people that I've known for years and I don't really know their whole story. And even when you hear people speak at meetings or whatever, you get like such a little glimpse. But like you know, you really are somebody that like so many people would watch your story and be like, "There's no way he's gonna turn it around. No way, <laughs> oh, no wow.
1: way." I I had like maybe 18 months, and you know. The business I'm in, uh, you know, I deal with a lot of successful people. And I, I was usually that person that shouldn't be in this kind of environment. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was at one of my customers' houses in Jacksonville and we got done with their appointment. They're like, they live in like a $6 million house. Mm-hmm. And we got done with their appointment and they're like, they didn't want me to leave their house. <laughs> and, um, and I la- I was like, I gotta go, I got like a five hour drive. And I was like, I got in the car and I was like driving and I'm like, these people want me around. It's so strange to me, mm-hmm. being a genuine person, and you you start fitting around with regular people. Mm-hmm. You're not what you 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 don't your your past is not define you. Period. Yeah.
0: Period. And what I always tell people is like, dude, recovery is gonna do the reverse thing of what the drugs did. So it's like, there's a time before drugs. That I was charismatic, happy, whatever. You know, people liked me. I was trustworthy. You know. And then, like, the drugs turned me into somebody where I woke up one day and I was like, who the fuck is this person ending up in places where I don't belong? You know, I remember going to court and, like, my dad would look around and be like, like, what the fuck are we doing here, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I came from a good family. Me too. A good area, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah my parents, my, my, my parents, do fucking hell. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thankful that they could
0: sleep at night knowing that mm-hmm. I'm okay. And then you get into recovery within 18 months, two years you're in a situation where you also are like, what the fuck am I doing here? No, no, for sure. And you pinch yourself like, is this real life? Like, I remember having two years clean, and I was dating this girl who, in my opinion, was like way out of my league. She came from a good family. And like sometimes being a drug addict, being clean doesn't even seem real sometimes. And I remember we were eating ice cream like on the pier. I was just staring like into like nothing. And she was like, are you Okay. I was like, I can't believe I'm eating ice cream right now with you. (laughs) And it seems so fucking weird, but it's like when you're on drugs, you might be walking on a pier looking at people eating ice cream and be like, how does that happen? You know (laughs) Know what I mean? Well, it's crazy because seven years – so the company that I worked for seven years ago, they didn't want
1: me anywhere near the business now. I'm their number one guy. I mean, they call me to bounce off ideas Uh, off their head. You know, it's it's refreshing. Cool.
0: Yeah, man. And I couldn't have done it without – the program and this journey man hey thank you I appreciate you Shane and uh, whenever you want to come back on the show whenever you want to uh, work out maybe you and me and Carl will hang out sometime I, th- I think you should uh, come to CrossFit Alicia, one of these days yeah you're into CrossFit a, l- a little bit a little bit <laughs> what do you bench press I don't bench press I bench you I look mean, like you could bench well, a house right now well before CrossFit I used to
1: like work out with 315 but CrossFit we don't bench is like bench, not yeah, I right. mean we bench
0: but not, not like, like that. We squat
1: lifting. we squat and snatch and clean mm-hmm. and do high school gymnastics and all types of crazy yeah. shit. A bunch of fun stuff.
0: Right. I think you would like it. I'll check it out. Hey, appreciate you. Thank, Thank you bro. for having me. Bye. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.